You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday morning here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, where it is 69 degrees. Nice. Talking Tennessee athletics in this podcast. And uh, because things are so nice this morning, uh, we're going to have the whole staff on. It's been a while uh, since we have done that. We're going to have the whole... Uh, the whole men's staff, I guess we could call it here of GoVols 24-7. So in order that I see it on the screen, we got Ben McKee, Patrick Brown, and Ryan Callahan here. And that is honestly the order in which they're listed right now, which is the only reason I'm listing them in that order. That's not a, that's not a, we're not playing favorites here, not doing anything like that. Uh, I was just uh, trying to be democratic, trying to be democratic. Fellas, fellas, I got to ask you how, um, how are we, uh, how are we, if I could find the right freaking button, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There it is. How are we doing this morning, fellas? Uh, you said democratic, so delete podcast, political thread. Uh, Fix the sports. Small D Democrat Republic. How about that? Hold small up, what D. now? Small D Democrat. You don't know the phrase? What? If you say small D Democrat, you're talking about the form of government. We're, we're 45 big, seconds if in you say, already If you say rails. big D Democrat, you're talking about the party. And since we're not keeping it political, keeping it apolitical on this podcast, I'm saying small D Democrat. Ben, it, does, it never takes any time for it to get off the rails. I, I knew this was going to be off the rails because there's four of us and we all love to talk. And all this is going to be like a two-hour podcast. <laughs> I, I, the funny part is like I was about to say we all love to talk over each other and patrick talks over me as i'm saying we all love to talk over each other so uh this is gonna be a fun one uh wes i hope you're doing well patrick i hope you're doing well ryan i hope you're doing even better coming off a big series win for the cardinals over the cubs well thank you it's uh you know few wins to celebrate so far this year but uh but nature restored order just in time for the cardinals to play the cubs yeah, in a season where I'm basically just focused on the Cubs, um, you know, getting the best draft pick they can, these are the only games I actually, like, seriously very much want them to win, like, hardcore want them to win, and they've uh, they've lost the first two of the first three. So that's good times, really, really, really good times there. Guys, um, we, I can't I can't let you guys all talk about your scrub baseball team without pointing out the Braves. So are, Braves are doing great. Are, Ronald Acuna hit a 470-something-foot home run last night. They lost, but whatever. Wrecking worlds, man. They are wrecking. The Yankees swept the 8-28 and 28 Oakland A's, okay? Yeah, even the Cubs swept the A's, all right? Why don't you pipe down over there, all right? The Oakland A's are the, are the most uh, – are, are are the saddest like they're they're not money ball like they're just completely broke ball right now is they're, what they are they're on pace to literally be the worst team of all time yeah they're 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 really really bad i feel bad for uh Kotze and those guys that is a uh that is a disaster over there and now now even they may not even get the stadium in vegas that they want or whatever so, so the whole thing is a bit of a mess over there you know what's not a mess right now guys is uh is tennessee football for the first time in what feels like a while tennessee football genuinely knock on wood not a mess at the moment we're going to get to some 
some podcast uh, mailbag questions here later on in this episode. But there's a couple things we do need to discuss first, and I guess I'll start with an over-under that has been set on wins for Tennessee heading into this season at 9.5. And I assume that means not a bowl game, or does that include a bowl game? This is the regular season total, and yeah. this this is from multiple books. Um, they they obviously put these out, you know, every year around this time, so they're early. They'll they'll shift in some cases. Now, worth noting, if you are uh, uh, enough of a, a gambler to understand the, the the terminology on this stuff, but the 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 juice, so to speak, is on the underside. The, the odds are kind of shifted toward the under 9.5. Like that's the favorite, I guess you would say. So clearly the, the odds makers think that most of the money is going to come in on the under at 9.5, but definitely interesting and obviously a good sign for Tennessee that the number is, is set pretty high going into what most people would have thought, you know, a couple of years ago, this was always kind of a year that looked like a transition year. Uh, you know, going into last year, I thought this was a team that might be like a, an eight win team uh, after Hendon Hooker was gone and, and over under 9.5, that's a that's a pretty healthy number there. Yeah, I can remember guys recently where there were years where it's been like 6.5, 7.5. I mean, you know, we're we're talking about a different a different uh, the budding of a new era now at Tennessee. And, and for that to be right there now, I think Ryan sort of hit it on the head there. It, it's not a it, it doesn't feel like it might be the transition year that that a lot of us thought that it might be the year that Hooker and a bunch of those guys left. Uh, it seems like they they think that that they're going Tennessee is going to be able to just sort of more or less keep this thing rolling. You look at the schedule and it's not. I mean, it's not an impossible schedule. It's also not a simple schedule. There's a lot of tri- tricky games on there. And nine point five is an over under. If Tennessee's getting back into that conversation where that's like. That even in what's supposed to be sort of like a restocking kind of year, getting things going, nine point five is a pretty high number for that. Yeah, I I think it's sort of a uh, shout out to to what Tennessee did last season. Uh, I mean, that's uh, you know they they played you know the two games they lost. Uh, obviously, Georgia you know beat everybody, and then you know they had a bad night at, against South Carolina, and they beat Alabama. So. Um, I think it's a it's a credit to uh, maybe the the odds makers believing that they you know the Tennessee has a chance to not really be that sort of one year wonder. I think that's the question everybody has going into the offseason. It's like oh well they got you know they won't be able to replicate Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt and all these all these things and um, you know but you know Vegas is out here trying to make money so that's the main thing that, yeah. that you know need to keep in mind and that that's why they put that number there because it's like can Tennessee win ten games again or. Or do you think they're they're going to be under? Um, I, I guess as the resident homer on the staff, I would be, I would probably take the over. But uh, there's so many questions about so many other teams on the schedule, uh, and and that's really kind of to me. Uh, we we know some things about this team. We know they're going to be, you know, we know the offense is always going to be good under Josh Heupel. Uh, we know the defense is getting better. How much better can they get um, with, with what they have coming back? They obviously have some some question marks at, at each level. Um, you know, but they have better depth. They have more, you know, more competition. Um, this is their third year with this entire defensive staff, I think, right, to, together. So uh, the identity is known on that side of the ball and how they want to play. But uh, w- when you're talking about wins and, and, you know, totals and all that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, who else is, you know, what are the potential games they're going to lose? Who are they going to beat? Who's going to be better than everybody thinks? Who's going to be worse? 
you know, what, you know, what does Florida look like? What does Texas A&M look like? All those kind of things. So, um, I think that's a, I, that's a pretty high number. I thought they might put it at eight and a half, but, uh, nine and a half does make a lot of sense when you're trying to, to make money, which is what Vegas and, and those, uh, it's not even really Vegas anymore. Cause you can pretty much gamble everywhere. Right. Right. Ryan, you're our, you're our gambling expert. Yeah. He is our Brad. Uh, he is our Brad Bohannon on our staff. <laughs> that you cannot gamble everywhere yet. There are a, a lot of states around us where you. How many, Ryan? Name them all. Yeah, come on, name, Ryan. Name them. Who's on your enemies list? Well, no. Well, let me tell you. There, there's not a state that I can think of one tennis. person on. <laughs> um, there, there's not a state bordering Tennessee actually that has online betting. We we are uh, sort of an oasis in the desert right now uh, in Tennessee with our um, progressive view on gambling. No, uh, but we we uh, political we, thread delete. Yep, but Stick we are the sports. <laughs> but we we like, uh, uh, lo- it, it lowercase is, p progressive. Yeah, but it, but it is odd that Tennessee got it so far ahead of most other southern states, even North Carolina, uh, one that I think has it in the works ha- has not approved it yet, or it's not not uh, not live there yet. So uh, so yeah, not not many places to do it. Yeah, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, um, that none of them have have gone uh, online betting yet. So. Uh, so yeah, that Tennessee is is one of the one of the few in this area, but it's I think it's more than half the country now. So in a lot of places now, I I think the nine and a half it's a couple things to me. I think Patrick nailed it. I think it's a little bit of a reflection of Tennessee's schedule being filled with a lot of teams that you're like, who's going to beat them aside from Alabama and Georgia? Like you, you think probably Florida or Texas A and M will be a tough one. Maybe not both to the point that Tennessee loses both of those, but uh, I, I think. They're tough over under to set because they. I think the number would probably be nine ideally, um, but then you'd have a bunch of people betting on a push, and you can't really do that. So uh, I, I think the the number a lot of people are going to have in their heads is nine. So that that makes sense that the the under is where um, is kind of the favorite right now. But I, I I think it's a reflection of of the teams on Tennessee's schedule and also just kind of a shout out to Josh Heupel's offense. I think there's enough of a track record now with what he did at UCF, what he's done in two years at Tennessee now that. I think clearly the odds makers and a lot of fans across the country are going to look at Tennessee and think there's not going to be much of a drop off. And Joe Milton is going to go into this year, even if you think he's a wild card, he's going to go into this year. And I think we'll see more of this as SEC media days being viewed as a top three or four quarterback in the SEC just because he's experienced. And when you have that, plus what Tennessee's uh, got coming back at other positions, uh, there's enough there to, to think it's a nine win team. I, Tennessee is going to be good this year. The, the question is how good. And I, I think that the the nine and a half kind of speaks to that. Uh, I, I think at minimum they hover around the eight nine win mark at minimum. And, and then if everything clicks for Tennessee like it did last year, then the over is is going to make quite a bit of money if if you do bet the over and and Tennessee gets back to ten or eleven wins. And I, I think there's just so so many unknowns. I mean, obviously there's unknowns every off season. Um, but I, I do feel like this offseason, at least for me, feels like there's more unknowns than usual, uh, starting with Tennessee. Uh, I think Joe Milton is going to have a good year, but he still needs to go prove it. He, he hasn't had a complete season of playing good, consistent football uh, at the college level. So I think he'll have a good year. Uh, I, I think he could potentially have a great year. But again, he has to go prove it. But I'm honestly more worried about the question marks around Joe Milton than I am Joe Milton himself, because I've seen Joe Milton improve small sample size. But there's data and visual evidence of Joe Milton being a quarterback 
and not an athlete playing the quarterback position. And I trust Josh Heupel. I, I trust Joey Hawsley, simply put. But I don't really trust – I trust Glenn Ellerby, but I don't trust Tennessee's current situation at offensive tackle, both on the left side and the right side. They, they need they need a big offseason. They, they need those three guys, John Campbell, Jeremiah Crawford, Gerald Menzies, Mincy, they they need those three to have big off seasons uh, because I think they're going to impact uh, what Joe Milton is able to do as as much as Joe Milton, quite frankly. Uh, and and I think the receivers will be fine as well. But that's still a question mark. Can Brew McCoy be the number one guy? Is Dante Thornton going to live up to the hype that he's generating this off season? Even behind closed doors, you hear a lot of good things about him. Uh, I think Ramel Keaton may prove to be the most consistent receiver of the bunch, quite frankly, uh, because he's a veteran and and I think he's just continued to progress. And I think he's really matured on and off the field, which has really helped him. And then can a, a, a youngster score a white Chaz Nimrod? Can, can they step up and help as well? Maybe a Caleb Webb. Uh, but those are big question marks on offense that I think will determine the the amount of wins for Tennessee this season, obviously. And then also defensively. I think they're going to be better, but how much better? Because I do think the talent and the depth has improved, but it's a lot of young talent and young depth. So are they going to be ready to to make an impact right away this season? So there's a lot of question marks surrounding Tennessee. And then even on the schedule, as you all have talked about, there's a lot of questions. Is Texas A&M going to look like the Texas A&M of last year? Or are we going to get the best version of Jimbo Fisher and and Bobby Petrino he's, kind of say, it say up. what you will about Petrino, Ben. He's a good, he's offensive mind. His office, his offensive mind's always been razor sharp. A- absolutely, one thousand percent. And we'll see if Jimbo allows there to be real input from Petrino because, like, they're, Jimbo's they're a gonna, good they're gonna, coach. They're going to be a dumpster fire. They're going to be a dumpster fire by mid October. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. But it's still a team with a lot of talent. I think Tennessee wins that game, but it's still a dangerous team because they do have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. I think Florida is going to be an absolute mess, but I I've followed Tennessee football long enough to know that even when Florida looks like an absolute dumpster fire over the course of the off season, that come third Saturday in September or whatever Saturday it falls on this year, it, it's going to be a, a dog fight for Tennessee and it's in the swamp. So, so that's going to be a little bit difficult of a matchup. And I know Patrick talked to the schedule earlier or spoke to to the question marks on the schedule earlier but two additional questions I believe that he didn't mention was South Carolina and Kentucky I think South Carolina is going to be a, a better football team this year Spencer Rattler can can kind of go on a heater from here to there Tennessee does get that game at home I don't I don't think that's an automatic W as it has been in the past at times when playing South Carolina that that'll be an interesting matchup especially once we learn more about those teams. And then Patrick's really not going to like this one. He, he gave me a slight eye roll a second ago when I mm. when I mentioned South Carolina. He's, he's going give, to give me a big eye roll here. I think Leary, the NC State transfer that went to Kentucky, I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC this season. Will, he, will they let him throw the football? Uh, that And that's what I was about to say as well. I don't know what – what the the team as a whole is going to look around him. I know Kentucky's receiver room is is very, very talented. They, they have receivers, but the offensive line was a big issue for Kentucky last year. Chris Rodriguez is gone. How, how are they able to run the ball? How are they able to protect him? What does the, the Kentucky defense look like? Uh, and it's just Kroger Field, but you, you do have to go on the road. Uh, and I know Tennessee has had Kentucky's number, uh, and, and outside of this year, 
those have been fairly close entertaining football games. So I'm pick I'm not saying that I'm not going to pick Tennessee to win those football games. I think Tennessee is better than Kentucky and South Carolina, but I, I think it's much closer to a 50-50 football game than maybe people realize. I think the the interesting thing there is when, when talking about Tennessee, I am still when it talks about the over-under, I I I am still a large skeptic about that secondary being pretty good. Uh, we'll it doesn't have to be great for Tennessee to be a good football team or a really good football team. It just needs to be probably a little bit better than it was. Because if you're if if Joe Milton is just a tiny bit below what Hendon Hooker was, which would still be a phenomenal quarterback, by the way, you don't have to, you you could be like half a tick below Hendon and you and you're still like a phenomenal quarterback. So even if Milton's just really 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 good then you're going to need just like a little bit more from your secondary than you did last year to kind of offset that um, or elsewhere in your defense. So those are the questions for me, the secondary on defense. I have a big question there. Offensive tackle, got got questions there. Um, and, and then obviously uh, we'll see what's going on at quarterback. And I think that leads us into the other big thing that I wanted to mention before we went to break here and got to some mailbag stuff. Actually, there's one more recruiting thing at the end of the segment we'll get to before we get to uh, to the mailbag. But but in terms of the team, Pat wrote a really good story um, comparing kind of one of the darlings of this NFL draft, Anthony Richardson, who still sort of boggles my mind a little bit that he went number four overall just because you, you talk about a risk-reward pick. I mean, that's one of the biggest risk-reward picks I've ever seen that high up in the NFL draft. But when you see the physical numbers and the fact that he tested the highest that anyone has probably ever seen in terms of that athletic score, the the one that they do like the zero to ten, like, you know, that I forget what they call that test, but it's a big one in terms of determining your 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 athleticism and how it historically relates to the NFL. And Richardson was like the first quarterback who ever got like a perfect 10 on it. And physically, the guy is almost as big as Milton and and has even bigger hands um, than, than, than Milton and obviously runs a faster 40 than Milton. Otherwise, though, Pat, there are a lot of physical similarities there, and a lot of people have talked about this as potentially – you know, is Milton a guy who next year could be talked about in this same vein? He'll be a little bit older than Richardson was this season, but still same kind of same kind of freakish kind of potential. Yeah. So as uh, the, the story's up on, on the site, um, <clears throat> I kind of dove into the the athletic profiles and just the baseline. You know, the, the stats everybody can look up, and then looked into some uh, pro football focus stuff. I know PFF's grades are kind of crap, but their their data is generally pretty good. Uh, I think it's a good tool to kind of help you assist what you're watching. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see. I know you know Richardson put out such an elite combine performance, four four three in the forty. I think the best vertical jump ever by a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 broad jump was tied for the best with Matt Jones. That's a throwback name, hey the Arkansas quarterback hey who who played wide receiver in the NFL actually. Um, and, and Milton is going to be, you know, the dimensions are similar. How fast is Joe? Uh, I, I look back at that pit game two years ago. Uh, he had that long run down the sideline, and he's, you know, there's a guy that ran a 10, 7, 8 in high school that was not gaining ground on him. There was a guy that ran uh, the safety that tackled him on that play. I think that's the play where he hurt his ankle. Um, uh, the, guy, the guy that chased him down had the angle, ran like a 4-4-3 at the combine this past year. He was a seventh-round pick. Um, so I mean, Joe's pretty fast and, you know, we've seen that, that Tennessee's cranked out some, some pretty fast guys over the past two years with, uh, going back to Bayless Jones, Alante Taylor, obviously Byron Young running a four, four, three. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what what he runs next year. But the uh, I don't want to get into too much. Uh, it's supposed to be a tease here. You go check it out on the site. Um, but it's just interesting to see really how they compare. And hopefully Milton stays healthy and gets to play a whole season where we can compare his season to what Richardson did this year. Um, I think that's going to be a better comparison. I, I am a little confused as to why, you know, Richardson going coming off of, of his of the twenty twenty one season, he'd only thrown sixty six attempts, uh, sixty six passes in his career. He was already like a top fifteen guy for Kuiper and Todd McShay, and I haven't seen Joe Milton on a single like first round mock for twenty twenty four. Shades of I Michigan, shades of Michigan, maybe. I, I think I think maybe his. Uh, I think the age is a big deal because he's two years older, and I think the experience is a big deal because people think, oh, he's been in college for five years. He is what he is, but uh, Milton has fewer career pass attempts than Richardson had last season. So he doesn't have like a full season's worth of, of pass attempts in his career. So what is he going to do with a, a full workload? I think that's the question. And um, I think the NFL, whether they be analysts or maybe even some scouts, are like, yeah, we, we like what we've seen so far, but we want to, you know, we want to see what where, what's next. That's kind of the. Uh, I think it's sort of a maybe wait and see approach on Milton. So uh, maybe this is a, a a piece I can revisit in a year's time when when Joe's getting ready for the draft. But uh, I know that that comparison's out there. Jordan Rogers made it on during the broadcast of the Orange and White game. It's it's an easy one to make because they're two big guys uh, that can throw the ball a mile and and are really good runners. But uh, a little bit of a deeper dive in there, and uh, yeah, go check it out. I think. Interestingly, to to me, anyways, it, it, it's it's kind of a you know it, it's easy to forget this, but a couple years ago, right? Joe Milton was the guy that Tennessee staff from the beginning thought, you know what, Hendon Hooker could be a a pretty solid player. We could be a pretty good team with him. But with Joe Milton, man, we could be fantastic in year one. And that those are the thoughts that still go in my head. Like even if Hendon Hooker proved to be better than they thought he was. Uh, still, they thought for two years ago that the ceiling with Milton was like OMG level high. That, to me, guys, is something that I, you know, I try not to forget that because this staff, how much of a believer they are and still are in him and how much that locker room fights for him, I think those are big things. They seem to be big things Let- to me. Well, they were looking for a for a higher ceiling that in that year one. Of course, the knock on Hendon Hooker was that he was you know a check down guy that he was sort of risk averse. They wanted someone who would who would be willing to sling it and uh, take some chances down the field. So, when you look at Joe Milton's skill set, he fits what this staff wants to do. He can throw the he can throw the quick stuff. Of course, most quarterbacks can, but he's got the arm to make any throw you'd ever want to make down the field. And and that's obviously one of the big things this staff wants to do when they are throwing it. And it's usually 50% of the time or less, despite the reputation. Um, but when they're throwing it, they want to take some shots down the field and hit some big plays. There's absolutely no throw on, on the field that he can't make. It's just a matter of <laughs> getting him to throw it with the right touch sometimes, which he did a better job of in that bowl game mm-hmm. uh, against Clemson for sure. If he continues that, I, I think he'll have a pretty good year. To me, it's still a, still a fair question of what what kind of year he'll have. But you know, to to kind of circle back to the original point, that's that's why I, I, I am not sure about the um, you know the, that many people should go over nine and a half. Inter- interesting to hear Patrick say he would go over nine and a half. I, I think there is at least some concern about Tennessee just because you don't know for sure that Joe Milton can be the steady, productive guy that Hendon Hooker always was. It, does he revert to the guy that? 
made the sort of brain dead play at the end of the Ole Miss game two years ago and ran out of bounds. Uh, and so throwing it up to the end zone. That, that, he... that is a fair question because that was a moment that it's, it's long gone, but, but it's still sort of in the memory. That, that, that to me, I mean, the NFL teams have shown they will bet on physical skill sets. You know, even though we slipped to the second round, Will Levis, you know, I, th- I think Joe Milton in a lot of ways I've said before is a lot of what NFL scouts thought Will Levis was, um, that he's got all the physical tools to make all the throws, um, you know, can, can, can just a uh, b- big build like Levis too. just a lot to like about him. But it, to, to me, he's, he's still got to show that the, the decision-making is there. Um, when, when, uh, when defenses are, are coming at him and when the bullets are flying, that's, that's a, that's a tough thing to, to prove. And that's, you know, NFL teams are willing to take chances, but that, that to me is the, the, the still open question about Joe Milton is will he, will he make the right decision most of the time? That's what Hendon Hooker was so good at. And, uh, and, and obviously again, that was a, something you could question about Anthony Richardson, but he goes in the top five of the draft. Um, so, so when you see a guy like that go in the top five, it's, it's, it's fair to ask what the ceiling for Joe Milton is. We could absolutely be talking about him this time next year as a first round pick because he's got that kind of talent. Yeah. In terms of, of before we get out of here for the first segment and get into the mailbag, Ryan, I think there, there is some recruiting news, um, really that, that a guy who Tennessee could be trying to add for this class, not, not for the next one, but, but for this class, that decision could be coming soon, right? Yes, uh, no, no date has been announced yet, uh, but but Emmanuel Okoye, the four-star athlete, uh, originally from Nigeria, now at the NFL Academy in London, is is moving quickly toward a decision. I think we'll probably see an announcement from him within the next ten days or so. And uh, and I think Tennessee's been in good shape there for a while, so that's definitely one to one to keep track of in the coming days. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if he sets an announcement date or or, or what the plan is going forward. But I, but I, I expect that announcement to come through the the NFL Academy. It's kind of a big deal that he is um, he, he has kind of gone on the fast track uh, despite having very little football experience uh, and is and is headed to to a Power Five school. Um, so this is this is quite a success story for the NFL Academy that they're going to want to to promote. I think so that I would look for that announcement to come from them. Um, but no, but no question, a, a really intriguing talent for, for whoever gets him. And, and, and again, I, I like Tennessee's chances right now. Uh, as of the recording of this podcast, uh, Tennessee hosted him on his first official visit last month. He got to see the, uh, the orange and white game at the start of his visit, hung around for a couple days, and went on four visits back to back to back while he was in the U.S. And it was his first ever trip to the U.S., um, went to Tennessee, then Vanderbilt, then Texas Tech, and then USC. Kind of worked his way across the country. Also had a visit set to Colorado, but that ended up getting wiped off the schedule before he ever made it there. Um, so they, uh, he's he's now narrowed it down to three finalists uh, on on Wednesday. It's Tennessee, Texas Tech, and USC. I think the main two contenders, believe it or not, are Tennessee and Texas Tech. Uh, I, I thought initially that it was going to be USC that was Tennessee's main concern, but coming out of the official visits, there was some buzz about Texas Tech, and I think that's probably the, the been, been the main competition for Tennessee down the stretch, but that's certainly one to, to keep tabs on over the next several days. Um, six foot five, 228 pounds, a massive wingspan. Um, th- this guy's a, 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 an absolute ball of clay. That's got to be molded into something. We don't even know what position he's going to play for sure. It could be a tight end or edge rusher, but man, there's nothing this guy couldn't do upside wise. So a, a really interesting potential late addition to Tennessee's class. If they can get him, um, that that um, that fans will definitely want to keep track of in the coming days as we wait for that uh, announcement. But 
you know, claims a 45 and a half inch vertical. I mean, this guy can jump out of the gym, great first step. You know, there, there's a lot to, to like about his game, but just has barely played the game of football for, <laughs> for uh, less than a year he's been playing the sport. So he really is just so new uh, that, that not a guy that's going to play early wherever he goes, but certainly someone that could be a really interesting late addition for Tennessee if they can get him. Yeah, London – London to Lubbock sounds like a really terrible country music song if I'm if I'm being honest or something like that. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see about that. Uh, we'll see. Tennessee uh, is apparently very firmly in the thick of that. So we'll see where that goes, and we'll see where this podcast goes because we're going to take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, listen to products, services, ads, etc., and then we're going to come back and take some mailbag questions here on the Go Vols Twenty Four Seven Podcast hashtag ad. Money. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the GoVoss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Got Ben McKee coming to you from his house. We got Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location. We got Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center there in the darkness on this Zoom call. We don't, we never know what's going on over there. We never know what's going on there at Ryan's We don't house. even know if he's wearing clothes. I mean, that's, that's true. The scary part. Don't even know if he's in Knoxville. We don't know. We, I mean, he could be anywhere in the world. Like Patrick's is undisclosed, but Ryan's is truly, truly a mystery because it. Listen, is- I, I don't work in in a, in a non-office environment to get dressed to go to work every day. All right. There you go. There you go. That's fair. That's fair. Guys, please go in and rate, interview, and subscribe to this podcast. Please go in and do that if you're just listening for free on the website. There at GoVoss247.com. There's no problem with that. We love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. However, uh, if you're listening, please do listen there on Spotify, iHeart, uh, in, Apple Podcasts, obviously, Stitcher, anywhere in the world. You can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVoss 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. But I think since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, do all of those fun things. Please, please, please do them. And if you're already doing those things, thank you. We love you. And if not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, we're about to get straight into the mailbag here. I do want to tell you that at the end, uh, Ben and I have some basketball stuff that we're going to discuss after we get through this mailbag. But when you call it a mailbag episode in some ways, I think you got to get to it before half an hour. So we need to get to it right now. Uh, we will start. We'll go just straight down the order. Uh, 98 now has a non-football question. Favorite episode of The Office and why? Ryan, uh, Wes, will you mute Ryan like permanently during this conversation? He's never seen The Office. He hates it. 
Yeah, I was going to go with for this. The, the one episode that I've seen would have to be my favorite and my least favorite. Ryan, mute, mute him. Get him out of here. You could just kick him out of the he's zoo. Mute. He's muted. He's muted. Y'all go ahead. Uh, uh, Mine's Pretzel Day, without a doubt. Pretzel Day is absolutely hilarious. Stanley is one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated character on the show, and it's centered around Stanley, so that's why it's my favorite. The, there's only one answer to this, and it's dinner party. That's the only answer to this question. Mm, I was going to say dinner party, too, actually. Uh, I would say, too. and since Ryan can't answer, I'll put a second one out there and say the basketball episode from the first season. I was season about to say the classic. basketball episode. I will yeah. say um, if I can't say dinner party, I might say fun run. Fun run's a good one. Uh, that's just the the whole the whole theme there. The way it starts, just the beginning, just a whole bunch of ridiculousness there. Um, but I, I will say the 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 um, the underrated character on the show was uh, I think it was was it Clark later in in the seasons. I think he, he as an actor makes me laugh hysterically. He was great in Hot Tub Time Machine, and I just think he was. A lot of people hated it when those guys came onto the office. I thought he was one of the guys who helped carry the show the last couple of years. That's just my personal. I love The Office, opinion. but the the show definitely took a step back those last it couple did. of seasons. I can't no, believe it, those I characters can't, came on. No, I I'm can't just, believe we even brought up we even brought up seasons eight and nine. It's a it's blasphemous. Uh, I just think Clark uh, in Hot Tub Time Machine and in that and in the last couple of years of the of The Office helped kind of carry the show. Next one, uh, we'll we'll go. We have one more non-topic, one, off-topic one, and then a, there's a lot of non. One. There's a lot of off-topic ones. Well, it's so. the off season, right? Um, what is the best Wi-Fi name you have ever seen? This is from Vols NCAA. What is the best Wi-Fi name you've ever seen? I don't have one off the top of my head, so I'll just. How about we all? Sh- unless y'all have one, I'll, we'll, we'll 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 just share our podcast or uh, our Wi-Fi name. Mine is Pinstripe Pride. Go Yankees, baby! Uh, <laughs> I actually uh, have one, but I'll save it for last. Uh, my, I, I, go ahead, Ron. I can't think of a great one. I, I feel like there's some good ones I'm forgetting, but the one that comes to mind that uh, I think was was maybe in in our na- I think it was at home that I saw this, uh, but but somewhere in the last couple of years, I saw one that was FBI surveillance van that made me chuckle. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> Mine is probably uh, an old coworker I had at the Chattanooga Times Free Press had uh, one at, at the house that I ended up he and I ended up living together for a while. And his uh, Wi-Fi name was Ron Mexico. And this was back when, like, uh, Michael Vick uh, came out the story about him and how he would always check into hotels as Ron Mexico. And that was, like, his alias. And uh, it it just – first of all, it's the most dumb, hysterical, ridiculous – awesome fake name ever and um and, and like the nfl.com store would not let you buy ron mexico jerseys because we all tried um but uh yeah ron mexico was a good one and here at the house it's just fort rucker that's an easy one. Oh, i'm not gonna share mine because that's that's way too personal true, uh, true. but it's probably brown um, t- probably brown town uh, <laughs> uh, dylan when, brooks fan 69 <laughs> uh when uh when my wife and i were dating uh back uh she she lived in a house with uh, some other girls down in kind of in the fort, yeah. uh, and you know some of those houses are pretty close together. Well, they had like a driveway, it was like this little gravel driveway back to like a bigger gravel parking lot where they parked. Um, and some uh, while we were dating this new group of, I guess they were like I don't know if they were in, the, in, a, in a fraternity or not, but they were you know those kind of people. If you're one of those people out there, sorry, I'm going to say some bad things about you. Um, but they uh, uh, they started using the driveway and the girls would always go over there and say, Hey, it's our driveway. We gotta, you know, we gotta leave. You can't block it, all this stuff. 
Well, they named their Wi-Fi its RFing driveway. Nice. I like no, it. No, not nice. Rude. I mean, I mean, if you're going to be, but that's like a passive aggressive level that's like kind of funny to me. Well, they they were also aggressive and stupid and mostly drunk and oh and yeah, it was and, and, it. And, and trashy. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, any joke you can make. My uh, my sister in law was an AO pie or AD pie. See, I forget which one. I don't even know because I make uh, all kinds of those fun jokes about it. Next question: 2015 105 vol. That's a lot of digits said uh you seem to have been one of the first to recognize and i don't see i don't know if he's talking about you is he talking about i think this is Pat? to me because i started the thread where these questions are being asked there you go says okay so we'll, we'll assume that it's pat and says pat seems to have been one of the first to recognize how good bryce and Neeson can be uh does pat think he'll have the type of season where he could leave for the nfl who else on the def- on the defensive line do you think could have a really good season well, I can't take credit for uh, any thinking of how Bryson Eason w- good he could be. That was Rodney Garner, who I think, I mean, it was a little bit of a surprise to me last uh, during camp last August where he was like, this guy's got a lot of talent, could be really good. I mean, he's got to came here as a linebacker. Now, he was like 260-something pounds when he got here, but uh, now he's a 310-pound uh, defensive tackle. And um, I- I've had him, and here's another tease, I have put up some, some post-spring depth chart projections this week as well on the site, and uh, I had Easton as a starter in the one I did in February because he started the Orange Bowl uh, when, when I think that was sort of an open deal next to Amari Thomas. And um, I think Easton was pretty much with the first team defense the entirety of, of the spring as well. So um, is, is he going to be good enough to lead for the NFL? I don't know. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, but uh, in terms of, of, of who else on the defensive line could have a good season, there's a lot of question marks at, at some of the edge spots, right? Who who? How does the backing order shape out? Uh, a defensive end, you know, what kind of season they get from Tyler Barron, a guy who's got a lot of ability, but, uh, you know, if he's bought in and locked in and focused, you know, can he become more consistent? Uh, on the other side, where they get all those young guys, Pierce, Josephs. Um, but uh, I think Amari Thomas is is the safe answer on who, who will have a really good season yeah. on the defensive line. I think he's leaned up. Um, I think he can be a three down guy that can, um, if he can improve some of his pass rush moves and things like that, can. And be a guy that can maybe impact the game a little bit more that way. He's always been really good at getting his hands up and deflected passes, but uh, can he get more pressures? Can he get more sacks? Things like that. Um, you talk about a four-man rush. Tennessee has been pretty adamant they want to improve that. A lot of times the edge guys get focused on, but uh, you need some of those interior guys to push the pocket and uh, get their hands up and disrupt passing lanes and things like that. And uh, I think Thomas could be a guy that you know he's got to be viewing this as a contract here. He's a senior. Uh, this is his chance for to to play himself in, into the NFL draft and. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that could have a good season, but I think Easton's coming along. Like I said, if Rodney Garner thinks you have a lot of talent, then you have a lot of talent. So um, that that's where that kind of started. And uh, I think Easton, after being sort of a rotational guy, kind of was trending upward at the end of last year. And uh, I think he seems to be still be on that track. My permanent answer is Elijah Simmons. That's just because that's my permanent answer to everything that he possibly could be an answer for. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, I, I do think there's a couple guys there. Uh, Omar Norman Lott, I think, could be a pretty solid player for Tennessee. Rodney Garner. That's seemed, a good one to, to seemed, mention that I left out. Seems to like him. And then, you know, I, I think there's a chance that, you know, one of those young cats, either Josephs or Pierce, if you consider them linemen, they're more maybe edge guys, but I think one of them uh, could could have a big year. Next question. Nobody else? Wow, nobody else going in there with an answer. I thought we were all going to get it. It was an addressed answer. for Patrick, not the rest of us. Fair enough. That's right. FH- Only Patrick called Bryson Eason. Uh, FHS Vol, do you expect 
Tony Vitello and his staff to be aggressive in the transfer portal trying to get a catcher. They have done that the past couple of years. It just didn't work out. They don't have an SEC-level catcher on the roster. What other positions do you expect them to target in the portal? Yes, uh, I, I would I would think so. I, I don't I don't think it's as obvious of a yes as as maybe people would assume. Uh, they do have a big time freshman coming in, Stone Lawless, which is an awesome yeah, it is. baseball name, yeah. uh, especially for a catcher. And and he is from my neck of the woods in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, so excited for another North Alabama native to make it up to to Knoxville. Um, but he he's a big time freshman. He's one that. Uh, they'll probably have to be a little bit worried about with the draft coming up, uh, but he's a, a very talented kid. They're very excited about him, has a big arm, has a lot of power in his bat. Uh, so they have him coming in. We'll, we'll see how ready he is to play as a true freshman, especially at the catcher position in the SEC. Cal Stark will also be back. Um, Charlie Taylor, I, he can be back. I, I, I don't know if I, – I don't see him being the starter. That's why I hesitate. So I don't know if that pushes him to, to transfer elsewhere. Uh, so you, you do have three guys in the mix there, but no definitive answers at the catcher position. Uh, so I, I do think it would be wise for Tennessee to keep an eye on the catcher's position. And if uh, a, a really talented one becomes available, then absolutely do everything that you can uh, to bring them in. And then uh, it's hard to say what other positions will be targeted because you don't know how the draft is going to affect the roster uh, but I would assume that Zane Denton gets drafted and is no longer here. Uh, I would be very surprised if Maui Ahuna is back. So uh, you, you do have some young options over there on the left side of the infield, but uh, I, I could see those being portal target positions. Uh, you're losing Christian Scott and Griffin Merritt and Jared Dickey in the outfield. So you, you have some youngsters out there, Dylan Dryling, Reese Chapman, Kavars, Tears, but maybe you want to add a veteran presence. You will have Hunter Inslee coming back, I assume. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not positive that's an. At this point, it, it might be just enough to think, hmm, because he is a third year sophomore. But but he's probably he back. is. I, I just don't know that. I think he's a really good college baseball player, but I don't know that there's a definitive trait or skill that he has that will automatically translate to the professional level and get him drafted high enough to go or, or drafted at all. I, I hope that he does because that'd be an awesome story. And I'm a big Hunter Inslee fan, uh, the player and the person. Uh, but I, I see him coming back next year, but he would be your only veteran unless I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, so I, I could see them adding there. And, and then Tony and, and Frank Anderson are always going to look for for pitchers in the portal. They, they would probably like to add one or two big-time talents out of the portal on the pitching staff every single offseason. Yeah, and, and and just to be quick before we go to the next question, they have aggressively tried to aggress the catcher position the past couple of years, and it just hasn't worked out. There's been one reason or another why they guys that they thought were big additions from the portal, they've not gotten. Things have just gotten squirrely at the wrong time, and then they had guys, and then they didn't. So, um, and the other thing is, if you're a catcher who hits like 320 and has an on base percentage of 380, and you're a really good defensive catcher, guess what? You're probably not in college baseball because those guys don't. Those guys are getting paid to play the game and not just NIL money. Uh, next question is from AO Owens 578. Staying on the baseball theme, how far do y'all think the Tennessee baseball team will go in the tourney? And do you think they can make the SEC tournament? It says the SEC Pride. I don't think I think Pride is a typo there. Um, I think they'll make the SEC tournament. Uh, I is think they say make make the SEC proud. Yeah, the SEC baseball uh-huh. is always proud. There's no question about that. Um, but I, I think that Ben, I'll, I'll I'll answer it real quickly and then throw it to you. I think they, 
if they host a regional, they're winning that regional. If they do not host a regional, depends on where they're going and who they're playing. And then for a super regional, depends on who they're playing. Because if Tennessee plays the way it's capable of playing, doesn't matter who Tennessee's playing. But unless you go to LSU or something. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's – I think it, it, it it's way up in the air at this point. Tennessee has the pitching to make it to Omaha and and truly contend for a national championship uh, because their pitching is that good. And usually the teams that have the most pitching depth and, and the bullpen that steps up in postseason are the teams that, that make it the furthest. Uh, just look at what Notre Dame's um, bullpen did last year in Knoxville and, and what Tennessee's bullpen did not do. Uh, so I, I think the ceiling is absolutely contending for a national championship in Omaha but if I had to make just a generic prediction of what they do, I'll say they at least make it to a super regional. I think they have too much pitching to not win a regional, whether it be home or away. And some of these projections have them matching up with like an Indiana State or a Coastal Carolina. Uh, and Coastal Carolina can hit with the best of them, but their pitching is is very, very questionable <laughs> at best. Uh, so I think – Going to a place like that, I think Tennessee's pitching depth would overwhelm those perceived smaller schools, and then I think they would get to Super Regional and what would probably lose there. Uh, I, I don't trust them to be consistent, uh, quite frankly. Uh, they, they don't play good enough fundamental baseball consistently to make a deep run in the postseason. They're capable of it, but I, I don't trust them to do it. Uh, there's one, at least one more baseball question here before we get back into some of the football and other stuff. Uh, the UT Bull broke one of the rules, asked a lot of questions in one post. Remember, we try to keep it we'll one go rapid purpose. fire. Uh, well, the one he asked at the very end was an easy one that I can answer for all of us. What role do Dryling and Tears play next season? They're both in there every day if they're healthy. They're just zero question about that. So he, uh, he asked a crystal ball question about 2024 Tennessee baseball. Weekend starters on the mound. Uh, is this team better in 2024 or takes a step back? Most likely from this year's team to get drafted. Uh, and are most likely back from this season's team and position starters. Go. The weekend starters, Chase Burns and Drew Beam for sure. And then I'll say the third starter will be A.J. Russell or a transfer that they pick up. Uh, I, I can't answer whether the team will be better in 2024. One thing that Wes and I really hit on on the last baseball podcast, Diamond Balls podcast that we recorded uh, I believe, and I think Wes pretty much agreed as well. I think the biggest issue has been uh, the the inexperience and, and and the leadership. Not that it's bad or, or whatnot, but it's it's not quite what it needs to be. So I, I think an, another year for Blake Burke and, and Christian Moore and, and those guys uh, and maturing more and becoming better leaders on and off the field, I, I think that will help elevate the team. But I, I need to see what Tennessee does in the transfer portal. They're, they're going to have a ton of talent. Uh, both in the everyday lineup, both in the on the pitching staff, uh, but they are going to have some guys that they need to replace for sure. So I need to see what the the transfer season looks like for Tennessee before I can answer whether the team is going to be better uh, in, in 2024. But what you can always say is that they're going to be an NCAA tournament team every single season under Tony Vitello, just because of how he recruits. Yeah. Uh, the most likely, who's most likely back from this year's team, and who we, gets drafted? Yeah, we kind of answered that one, I think. Yeah, we did. Just run into the the lineup real quick. Uh, Cal Stark is back. Charlie Taylor's back. 
just running through the catchers in general. Uh, Blake Burke's back at first. Christian Moore's back at second. Uh, you're going to need a new shortstop because I anticipate Maui getting drafted in the top three rounds and, and leaving. Uh, that That's a position that I think that they really need to address in the portal if they can. I, I could see a scenario where Jake Kendrow has a big offseason and, mm-hmm. and he's the starting shortstop. Or third baseman. Uh, Austin Jazlove. I, I don't know that he's somebody that can develop into an everyday starter in the SEC. Maybe he proves me wrong, but I, I think they're limited at that position. Uh, don't want to really really rely on a freshman, so I think they need to hit the shortstop position hard uh, in the portal. Third base, they have a kid coming in from uh, Pearl River Community College who's uh, considered the be- one of the best, if not the best, junior college players in the country. Uh, and you're going to need a third baseman because I think Zane Denton is gone. We'll, we'll see what Logan Chambers does, but uh, I, I don't think at this point you can rely on Logan Chambers to, to be your everyday third baseman. Again, they have the Juco guy coming in, but I think that's another portal watch. And and then Dryling's back, Reese Chapman's back, Kavar's Tears is back. That That's going to make up the outfield in some form or fashion. I would imagine Hunter Inslee is starting in the outfield next year. Uh, Jared Dickey's going to be drafted and, and sign and, yeah. and move on. Christian Scott's gone. Uh, and then on the pitching staff, I think Andrew Lindsay absolutely absolutely gets drafted. Chase yeah. Dolan is going to be a top ten pick. Uh, Camden Sewell's graduating slash getting drafted. Seth Halverson will be drafted high enough to where he leaves. Um, Zach Joyce is an interesting one. I, I think normally he would get drafted, but I, I don't know if his injury that he's dealing with changes things. I, I think that's a question mark. Um, but those are the ones that will get drafted uh, and, and move on if if I'm – I don't think I left anybody off. No, the only thing that I would add to all that before we go to the next question is uh, – the question was who are the weekend starters on the mound. I think Wyatt Evans probably needs to be in that conversation. Um, but I, I think there there's a chance that, that he – he, he was so good in the Cape Cod last season that I, I think there's a chance he ends up being a starter next season too. But we will see. Uh, regardless if he's healthy, he's in the mix to do something. Uh, next question from Simpson Ball. I don't know that I totally understand it, uh, the second part of it. So um, uh, this almost feels like a non sequitur to me. I'm not sure, but we'll see. He said, I think UT's three major men's sports are strong in coach speak as I can ever remember. Do you ever get frustrated and want a straightforward answer in English? Are, are Tony and Rick like big sp- – they don't see, seem like coach speak guys. They seem That's, very much like we'll say what yeah. we want to we say. That's what I was thinking. Uh, no, Rick tells you exactly what he thinks, whether he's supposed right. to or not. But the, the the frustrating part with Rick, and this is because he is in the, the later stages of his life, uh, you, you ask him a question and he gives you about a sentence and then other thoughts pop up in yeah. his head yep. and he doesn't answer your question. So the, Rick doesn't really have coach speak, but he, his mind wanders and, and – I mean, you just go read a transcript. You ask him about um, Santiago Vescovi, and he ends up talking about uh, Derek Reese somehow, some way. So that that's the thing with Rick that can be frustrating from a reporter side of things. Uh, you, you want questions to, to write or answers, good answers to write stories on. And, and Rick gives good answers, but he, he kind of rambles and doesn't answer the question. Great directly. answers. Great answers. Just not to the question yes. that you asked. Just just not the answers that you want to the question that you asked. And and Tony, Tony's not coach speak. Um, I, I do think he's gotten better about Tony. Tony is really good at saying exactly what he feels without 
just completely laying it out there. If you know how to yeah. read between the lines and pick up on little comments here and there, Tony's telling you exactly what he exactly what he's thinking and, and what you want to hear. Tony's Tony's uh, t- Tony's whole thing is I'm trying not to cuss. I'm trying not to say anything I really shouldn't say, so I'm going to say what I want to say without saying how I would say it off the record. Heupel is a uh, is a breath of fresh air compared to some of the coaches that have some of the football coaches that that have rolled through here lately. That's you true. About, you want to talk about coach speak? There's no there's Butch Jones. There's everybody else. Yes, and even jo- and even Josh Jeremy Heupel's Pruitt. Coach speaky. Eh, he just doesn't say what he doesn't want to say. Um, you you do know some answers you're going to get if you if you don't word a question right. Yes, Correct. I agree. But but we don't get the same however many catchphrases over and over again, and we don't get the uh, the whatever we call it with Pruitt, um, you know, he he'd say what he thought sometimes, but a lot of times he would go back to the same, same go tos. Yeah, Heupel, it, to me, it does get a little frustrating because, and I get why it's it's his prerogative, but he his his, his thoughts on what he shouldn't say is like a much longer list than I think it needs to be. But you know, a paranoid football coach, it, it, I mean the. Duh, they all are. So you know, it, I it's think that, he's less paranoid than the previous two guys by by a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but Hypo doesn't like doing media. I don't think he hates it. I think he just doesn't want to say anything that he thinks could be seen by someone else as something that gives somebody else an advantage or takes away his team advantage. I think he tries yeah. to think of all of it as like purpose built. I need to do this as an exercise to help the Tennessee yep. football program and nothing else. And that's fine. That that's 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 probably what fans would want him to do, but it does get like there are times where he could say something else and he just doesn't and it wouldn't hurt anybody if he did, but I don't think that's ever going to change. And he is so good at diffusing any question that might seem like, man, this one's going to get a good response and he will just say something in the first 10 words that just makes you go Oh, <laughs> so he is he is an expert at, at taking the uh, taking the the air out of a question like that and, and ensuring that you're not going to get anything that's, you know, uh, attention grabbing. But that's hey, that's that's the very much the new age coach. You know, there are some who, who aren't that way. But but by and large, most coaches across college football are worried about selling their program and not saying anything they shouldn't at pretty much all times. Yeah. And I apologize to Simpson Vol. Uh, I, I didn't. When I said non sequitur, I didn't understand exactly what he meant by those two sentences going together. But, I, I but, don't even know what non sequitur is, so okay, that well, helps you feel any that better. Maybe he does neither, so we can move on. Uh, let's see. Matals14 said, what made y'all get into sports writing? Don't have to be too detailed, but I like hearing how this may help shape writing that I read. Uh, also, if you weren't working sports, what would you be doing? The story that I've always shared is uh, I was maybe like, early in high school and I was watching a college basketball game and Dick Vitale was like, we're going to pay to do this. This is awesome. I'm like, that sounds fun. I want to work in sports and cover sports. So here I am. I only, I have a face for the web, for the internet and a voice for the internet. And so here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My, my, uh, my, my story is, uh, is rather boring because I tell people, I, I, I never had to go through I, the I can't believe school. that Ryan has a boring story. Yeah. That's... Well, 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 well I, never shocked. Went, I never had to go through a phase though, where I needed to figure out what I wanted to do. Like I, I was lucky enough to stumble into the prep sports editor at the, at the hometown paper where I grew up and 
when I was in high school and I started doing work for them when I was a junior in high school. So, and it felt natural from like the first time I did it. And once you get a sickness for this business, and I think you do have to have a sickness for it in some ways, like you have to think it's, you have to really enjoy it and, and love the, I think even love the writing part of it personally to, to really stay in it for the long haul because if you don't, man, the writing and the transcribing and everything else can get kind of monotonous. Um, but, but yeah, if, well, once you have it, it, it's hard to, it's one of those fields that, that when you love it, it's hard to, hard to get out. So I pretty much knew from uh, a relatively early age what I wanted to do. Luke Combs has a song called Doing This, and he talks about if he didn't make it big as a, a country singer, he would still be singing on Friday nights in some small town bar where he's from or, or something along those lines. And that, that's kind of me. I, I would be doing something in sports, even if I wasn't working for, for go balls 24 seven or, or sports riding or, or this and that. Uh, I, now I guess I could say I almost joined the military out of, out of high school. Um, but that was more so because I didn't know exactly what I, what I wanted to do with college and professionally. I always knew I wanted to do something in sports. I actually, I went to community college uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, at Calhoun Community College, where the great Jorge Posada went to community mm-hmm. college. Fun fact. Shout out to my That's to my fellow. Too many Yankees references. I, I didn't I, know I'm that. I'm all in, baby. I wish we were recording and posting the video because I got my Yankee sweatshirt on too, baby. We're celebrating this sweep of the A's, dadgummit. <laughs> um, but uh, I, when I transferred to Tennessee, I wanted to... Uh, I like history, so I wanted to teach history, but I was going to do that so I could coach baseball. That That's what I wanted to do, uh, but I guess I'm not smart enough to get into Tennessee's education program, and they have you list the backup, and my backup was journalism because I I like to talk about sports and, and know, I'm sure as you all do, know so many things that are useless in life about sports that I will never use and just know all these stupid facts and stuff and who plays for who and jersey numbers and, and all that stuff that will never be utilized in a proper job so i just kind of ut pushed me to to journalism and then i i applied with uh or i didn't even apply i sent jason swain a, a message on on facebook asking if i could intern with him for for a season that was the the butch jones 2016 football season Oof. and kind of started doing uh the producing for, for the Swain event when it was him and Seth Stokes. Uh, and then at school, I was doing some writing for, for classes. And I didn't do the beacon like most of UT journalists do did. Uh, I did TNJ and the online version uh, of the beacon. And kind of in, in today's world of media, you have to be able to, to do it all. So I was mm-hmm. writing and, and podcasting, doing radio and uh, obviously, the Swain event went away and kind of fell into this. So honestly, I, but it's I back off, now, right? Yes, on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays in an hour capacity. So that that's been cool. But uh, once that went away, it was more I shifted more towards writing full time. Whereas I was kind of do I enjoy both. I know that's a long winded answer that probably nobody cares about but myself. But uh, I I was kind of doing both, and then uh, because Swain went to to the animal in town, that that kind of forced me to be writing full-time which is fine because I, I enjoy writing but honestly i got into to to sports media because i wanted to podcast and, and radio that that was my first love and then i i learned to love writing kind of like what ryan was talking about well if i well, uh, if i didn't do this i would be either teaching history or i would be 
like working like as some sort of somewhere aggro like you know you'd be the stuff. worst history like, teacher i would hate oh, your class. i love i love history <laughs> and or i'd be doing that or i'd be like you know basically like you know running a greenhouse or like owning a greenhouse or something like that that or you know something along those lines and there i just love growing things and um the when i came out of high school i had three choices basically I could either go play uh, baseball at a small college. I could go walk on at a medium-sized college and, in my estimation, probably never play. (laughs) Or that was option two. Or three, uh, just say screw it and go to a big school and have fun. And since I would have – my back was already giving me problems. I needed to have a shoulder surgery if I played baseball in college. I said there's also 5 a.m. workouts and, um, you know, probably drug tests and other things. And so I said, I'm just going to go to college and have fun. And so I did that. And uh, then Spoken I... Spoken like a true DJ. Yep. And I then I stumbled <laughs> into the Daily Beacon as a freshman and uh, never looked back. So that's that's my story, quickly. Uh, w- one last thing to add on, on the uh, the second part of the question, uh, a little more fun answer for that. I, if I didn't do this, now my backup plans would probably be something media adjacent, like probably news writing or broadcasting or something like that. I had interest in broadcasting before sports writing. But... Um, I would actually have gone into if I was doing something totally unrelated, meteorology. Uh, I, oh I was my fascinated. Gosh. I was fascinated by weather growing up. So I, that this is been true. He's talked about this choice. before. I've heard this on a road trip before. I've heard him talk about this yeah. before. So yeah. Now one downside to that. I mean, is, who's to say? My, my, my thing would be like botany and growing stuff. Like who's to say which one's weirder? You know. Uh, also, though, like way too many science classes for that. Like I, I wouldn't want any of the one hundred to one hundred level science classes. So that would have probably been. A deterrent eventually, but but yeah, I was I was into that stuff. I could have seen myself doing that. Maybe. Ryan is hey. capping. Ryan is capping on the May eleventh version of the Govals twenty four seven podcast. Well, we all no. know that you would be an accountant somewhere in some little cubicle <laughs> crunching well, numbers. Now now little- that's actually funny because I was better at math than anything else in school. But no, I was never interested in that. Well, instead of forecasting storms, you're now forecasting what high school recruits are going to do. Oh, hey, okay, to the, hey, the non weather crystal ball. To, to, to my to the, to the second, que- the second part of the question for me is I have absolutely no idea what I'd be doing. You'd be a gym teacher, doing. yeah. Thanks. I don't uh, gym teacher and coaching whatever sport you want to coach. You, you think I'm an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, Ben? You're more a special teams coordinator. Uh, yeah, keep that chili hot, right? Yeah, uh, Pat behind the wheel of a car is a special teams coach for sure. Pat, Pat behind the Pat's like a strength and conditioning coach behind the behind the wheel of a vehicle. Man, that's an. Oh, angry maybe dude. I should be teaching drivers ed. If I was teaching drivers ed, we, there'd be the <laughs> traffic flow and, and our, all our major cities would be non-existent because everybody be just driving good. Pat, since I threw you under the bus, you, you can go ahead and and let the world know what you think that I would be doing if I wasn't doing this. What what, what do I look like I would be doing if I wasn't doing this? You're putting me on the spot. I have no idea. I don't want to be rude. I mean, I was rude to you. You could be rude back. I was going to say like Ben just was. I don't know. It's not my fault you look like a nerd, Ryan. (laughs) He looks like nothing right now. We don't know what he looks like because we can't see his face. Oh, We know what he looks like. He could be on the surface of Mars for all we know. Look like a nerd? I'm not a nerd? Your words. Your words. What um okay we we moved into the moving into the speed edition round because we got only about fifteen minutes or so left tops here so uh, Slumball thirty four uh, will Tennessee move Brew to the right side this year seems seeming the left side gets lost at times and the right side seems to be the number one receiver no idea we didn't see Brew in in spring so we don't know if he's going to go to the right side or not it wouldn't surprise me if he did but 
you know. I, I will say I, I'm fascinated in general by what Tennessee's going to do with this group of receivers because I, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk out there about Dante Thornton uh, and Squirrel White, but does Ramel Keaton start? You know, how, how do they how do yes. they juggle those top four in general? R- I, Ramel I, Keaton fascinated. starts. Ramel Keaton starts. If he starts, then then Squirrel White's going to play less. So I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I just I, the whole situation fascinates me because they've got some things to juggle a little bit and maybe some pieces to move around considering. Thornton and Squirrel can play play the slot, and I don't know if they'll just do a timeshare with those two guys. So you might see a little more moving around than usual this and, year. And if you're not top three in the past couple of years, then you're unless they finally expand that rotation, which they keep saying they're going to do, and they don't really ever seem to do it. I don't. Yeah, I don't see how they don't play four this year. But yeah, I'm still skeptical that number five sees much uh, playing time. Ninety eight. Now, what random thing would y'all like to see Joe Milton throw? Uh, I know Joey Halsey doesn't want him to throw anything else other than a football for the next several months. He gets he's gotten like increasingly more agitated about it going back to like the Orange Bowl when Joe threw the orange. He was like hey, he kind of at, down there in Miami. He was kind of like oh yeah it was funny. It is and dumb. Now he's, just, now he's just like yeah let's not do that. Let's not let's not throw anything else because we don't need to hurt him. It sounds like his high school baseball <laughs> coach who was like you can play baseball and Milton was like hey man this is fun I really love baseball and he's like JK you're not playing baseball so <laughs> he let him go practice for a while and Milton was like dude I love this this is fun I could be a pitcher I throw the ball hard that's uh, what I would want to see him do if, if for some reason football was no longer in the in the in the pitcher for for Joe Milton that's what I would want to see him do I would want him to see him spend a full summer and fall with Frank Anderson yeah. as a pitcher and see how he turns out I would like to see him throw Ryan. That would make me laugh quite a bit. That would be the wrong <laughs> thing. I would like to see him do something that doesn't involve throwing a ball in the air. I would like to see him roll a bowling ball as hard as he could to see what the the, the speed on that would be and how how hilariously hard the pins flew yeah, up to the side. What a nerd! What a nerd answer! Would he? Is, would right? he break? Would, would he break a pin? Would he break a pin? Don't call him a nerd. That's rude, Patrick. <laughs> what? Um. Yeah. No. I think. I think nerds one of the five or six things you can still say in this day and age. I think. I'm not sure. I'll have to go back and check. Well, you think we can say any word, and it's all the same. It's just words, right? I agree. They're just words. Well, Bob Huggins, just words. Oh no, not that one. That's a bad word. Political threat delete. <laughs> That's a bad word. Don't say the word Bob Huggins. Said. That's a bad bad word. You were saying it in the press box the other day. I have never said that word. I do not say that word. You never dropped an F-bomb? Well, I've dropped an F-bomb, sure. That's just a word. And, isn't that what he said? Uh, no, thing. he he said another uh, F-word. He said another F-word. Oh, I didn't see the other F-word. Yeah, I only saw the F-bomb. He, he said another F-word. Honestly, yeah, not, I, do uh, not say. I have not given the, the Bob Huggins thing a lot of attention. Just to be, ben, ben yeah, just j- read j- the tweet, didn't, didn't see what's in the blanks. Just to be crystal <laughs> clear, just to be crystal clear, I do not say the other F word that Bob Huggins said. The one F word, the one that that um, that has four letters, all the time. Three letters, no. Do not say that word. The F um, dash 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 word. The queen weather of all ba- all bad words. There you go. Um, what uh, Boston Vol seven one nine? We already sort of answered this one, but we'll do it again real quick. So, what do you see as the ceiling and the floor for this year's football team? Fifteen and zero, baby. That would be the ceiling, right? No, that is not the ceiling. They don't have enough depth or talent. To I don't. Go 15 and I'll 0. be honest. I don't see any way in the. I, I think. All right, fourteen and one it is, fellas. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think the way that um, I, I even if you say that the Alabama dynasty is slipping a little bit because some of the late recent additions, it's slipping. And they just things, took a Sun Belt defensive back. Okay, even if you want to make that good. argument, and, and Tennessee is going to get this thing righted in the long term. Going to Tuscaloosa in this specific season, one year after ending the streak. Uh, 
I think Tennessee could be walking into the pits of hell in that game, uh, and I think that one could be yeah the could pits be of gross. hell for Alabama. Could be, could be. I just I don't I don't have a Let's good feeling. Right, ben. I don't have a good I, feeling I, I at all about that team. game. I think the ceiling is exactly what last year's team was. Uh, flirting with a college football playoff berth. I think that's the ceiling, and I think the floor is eight, nine wins. I think I'll I'll go higher and lower probably than people are thinking. I think the floor maybe could be seven wins. If it just went – Here's Webb Blanket-Callahan. If it went haywire at quarterback, that's the only way I think it gets to that point. If Milton looks like 2021 Joe Milton at times – West, and get the they, sad trombone sound. And they lose to Florida. But no, I'm going to give you the the the, uh, the 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 good news here at the end. I think the I think the ceiling is uh, is 11 and one. I, I think Tennessee could win 11 games if things if the stars just align. I Ryan, think, you're just you're not scared of Notre Dame's backup quarterback. Is that's what it boils down to? Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't think Alabama is unbeatable by any stretch, even on the road. And I think the only game on the schedule Tennessee can't win on the right day is probably Georgia. Vanderbilt. And even that one's and even that one's at home. So like, who's to say they don't pull? Off? I don't think they do. But we don't know what Georgia's going to look like without Stetson Bennett. So I. I I don't know. I I think the ceiling's probably eleven and one. I don't see a perfect season, but I, I think they could win eleven games if the, if the stars just aligned in in every possible way. I'll go eleven and one as the absolute ceiling, even though I think ten and two is more realistic as a ceiling. I just I don't have a good feeling at all about that Alabama trip. I just don't. I'd be lying if I said I did. Sticking at fourteen and one, guys. And uh, and I don't. Georgia's just y'all believe that one when I see it because they've Quit had sucking answers. up to Tim Watts. They've had answers for that. It has nothing to do with Timbo. I'm just saying that that it's. Um, I, I don't like after ending that streak last year, all the things I, I just, I think that's, they're walking into a hornet's nest down there. Uh, and then, um, and then Georgia, believe it when I see it, they got a, the, 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 the talent in that program is, is sick. Um, okay. Let's see here. I think we got just a Literally. couple more. Um, well, in some ways, uh, let's see. I think we've already, I can answer this one. Middle Tennessee Vol 34. Did all of you guys graduate uh, with a journalism degree? Yes. All four of us did. And uh, Shelby Vival with the last question. Two or three guys the football team needs to have a strong summer and fall camp to really help this team get where they want to get this season. All three offensive tackles. Gerald Mincy, James Pierce. Josh and, uh And name any cornerback on the roster. <laughs> the entire room. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go. If, if the offensive tackles and corners have a good offseason, Tennessee's had a great offseason if those, if those two things happen. Uh, I'll get specific uh, I, at cornerback, and I'll say Danico Slaughter because uh, he, he, I just really like him as a player, and I think he's a guy that can that can be a playmaking guy at corner. He, he's maybe got the most potential for your other teams to be like, you know what, let's not throw to him because when we do, he's he can make stuff happen. That's a fair. Uh, I I like the offensive tackles pick. I'll, I'll go with Gerald Mincy. Uh, I think John Campbell will probably be fine, but I, I'll, I'll say Gerald Mincy for sure. Um, I, I'll say Dante Thornton just because he didn't get to do enough this spring for me to feel totally comfortable with him. I just think he needs to have a big year and he's capable of having a big year. So I think he still needs to continue to settle in to where he can reach his potential this year. And then I'll, I'll throw in a different one here just to, just to go opposite from the secondary. I'll say Tyler Barron because this team still has depth on the defensive line, but Barron is one of those guys that could be more than he's been the past couple of years. And I think they need him to be, that defensive line to be as disruptive as it could be. I think those are fair ones. I think those are all fair answers. I would still say just offensive tackles and corners. That's 
It's a straight up answer. Though they need those guys to have and good Elijah Simmons. Season. No, Elijah Simmons is going to have a good offseason. There's no question about it. Did you hear his national anthem the other day, dude? He, the there were good talks about him in spring practice about him doing some you good things. Then about I saw the video. And um, by the way, thanks for giving me a heads up that that the game like I couldn't make it to. They're like he's going to be the one seeing national. What the hell is that all about? There's like three games I haven't been to this year at home, and one of them was an Elijah Simmons national anthem. What in the absolute hell is that all about? It, Quick if Wes, that's not a cuss word. That's not a cuss word. Just words. If, if Wes could have been there, he would have looked like Will Overstreet during the national yeah, anthem. I'd have cried. Post 9-11. Absolutely, like he, absolutely would have cried. I, I disagree. He would have looked like you following recruiting. I would have. I would have bawled my eyes out. <laughs> I'd have bawled my eyes out. Uh, listen to that beautiful voice sing the national anthem, guys. I think we can dismiss the other two, y'all, and then Ben and I are going to wrap up with some uh, with some a couple of hoops things, and then I think we're good. So, uh, Pat Ryan, thanks for being here. Bye. Appreciate it. Glad we didn't go two hours. Yeah, well, not yet. And and we'll just keep the Zoom hang up thing going on because Pat does that all the time, just like Grant used to. Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead and make the noise. Pat already did it. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. All right, Ben, what do you because we got a couple minutes here, a couple of hoops news not items that we need to uh discuss before, quickly before we get out of here. Yes, very quickly because I need to go listen to Tony Vitello rant and rave about the baseball team. Uh BJ Edwards has entered the transfer portal. He did that on Friday. Uh that was pretty much expected. Uh for my understanding, Tennessee actually did not push BJ out the door. Uh, I, I think people have automatically assumed that. I, I think Tennessee was was fine if if BJ was going to come back, but obviously somebody had to leave because they simply did not have any roster spots after um, they uh, added Dalton Connett from Northern Colorado. Um, so BJ Edwards is, is moving on. I expect for him to link up with a former Tennessee assistant. I, I think it'll be a nice little landing place for him. Uh, and wish him the best. Uh, Knoxville native, unfortunately, he could not work out with uh, the hometown team. You, you wish that he would have because that would have been a, a really fun uh, storyline. But I, I think he was another year or two away from playing. I and I, I think he also recognized that. And that's why he decided to go ahead and, and enter the, the portal. So Tennessee didn't necessarily push him out the door, but they were also very honest when BJ asked about his prospect for playing time next season. And uh, I, I think that encouraged him to, to hit the road, uh, quite frankly. And then the other portal entry as of Wednesday was Julian Phillips. And first and foremost, I, I think Julian still intends on entering. That's important the to NBA know because I, I think people are missing that. Like that's by far the thing he wants to do, number one. Absolutely. That, that's that been priority number one since he stepped foot on campus, since before he stepped foot on campus. Uh, that is still the main objective. But uh, Julian Phillips's freshman season did not go according to plan. So he was projected as a first round pick early in the season, no longer projected as a first round pick. And I think he's starting to, to get some feedback on, on his draft stock. And because of that, he is now seeing that, OK, maybe it would be wise to go back to, to college uh, for another season. So just like Olivier Kumwa, th this isn't him looking to transfer necessarily. It's more so keeping the option open. And quite frankly, Tennessee doesn't have a roster spot open. So uh, th this is kind of the unfortunate aspect of the basketball calendar, offseason calendar 
being just an absolute beast and a nightmare to deal with if yeah. you're a college coach. Tennessee can't sit around and, and wait for, for Julian to make a decision because if they they were waiting on him... It's too much probably, of a risk. The consequences are way too high. Right. Then you probably don't land Dalton Connect. I mean, that, that, that just kind of is what it is. But I, I do find it interesting um, because he did not enter the portal by the deadline to transfer to another SEC SEC school with guaranteed immediate eligibility, I, I think that dispels some some rumors that were connecting him to Auburn. That there's a deadline that he had to meet. I yeah. think it was I, I don't know when the deadline was, uh to to be quite honest with you. I, I think the portal overall the deadline was last night or t- tonight, May 10th or May 11th, but there was a deadline that he needed to enter the portal by uh to guarantee immediate eligibility if he were to transfer to another SEC school. So I did find that interesting, but uh, I, I know people were kind of surprised uh, by by Julian Phillips entering the transfer portal, but in this new weird age, frustrating age of college basketball, he's, he's just keeping his options open uh, as the calendar allows him to uh, and uh, quite frankly because it, it's the, the best decision. So uh, B.J. Edwards has moved on. Uh, Julian Phillips has moved on as well, and that that leaves Tennessee with uh, it, its roster. Tennessee's roster is now set. They they added three transfers, and and all three have signed this week. Tennessee added uh, Jordan Ganey. I, I keep having to hesitate to make sure I don't say Justin Ganey, the associate head coach for the Vols. Uh, but Jordan Ganey signs on Tuesday uh, from USC Upstate. Uh, Chris Ledlam, the Harvard transfer, signs on Wednesday. Uh, and then Thursday afternoon, Don't Connect from Northern Colorado signs as well. So that's Tennessee's three transfer additions. And then Tennessee is also adding uh, three players from the high school ranks, technically four, if you add Freddie DeLeon, who reclassified and enrolled early. Uh, but Freddie DeLeon, uh, Cameron Carr, and J.P. Estrella, uh, and then... Cade Phillips as well. So you've got seven new guys coming in to replace Olivier Kumwa, Josiah Jordan-James, Urosh Plavshik, and Julian Phillips, Tyreek Key, and BJ Edwards. So uh, quite the offseason of attrition for Tennessee basketball. And uh, Tennessee wanted to address shooting issues as well as, I believe, become more athletic on the offensive side of things. And I think that they did accomplish those goals. And uh, as Unfortunate as it is that B.J. Edwards and, and Julian Phillips didn't work out at, at Tennessee, uh, I also don't think it's the end of the world, especially I'm more so speaking to Julian Phillips at this point. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Julian come back. I, I think he would have made a, a big leap, and, and I think he definitely would have made Tennessee a better basketball team. But I also, quite frankly, don't don't believe that uh, it, it's the end of the world uh, that Tennessee will not have Julian Phillips next season as well, especially because they added Dalton Connect. I, I'm re- really, really high on him. I, I think he can be a big impact transfer uh, for Tennessee, something that you haven't really seen Tennessee get out of the transfer portal under Rick Barnes. So, again, quite the season, uh, offseason of attrition for Tennessee basketball, and it'll make for another entertaining basketball season coming up in the winter. Uh, Wes had to step aside to take a phone call, so I'm closing out the podcast in odd fashion. So uh, we appreciate everybody who listened, everybody who sent in a mailbag question. Always appreciate your ears, and we hope you have a good rest of your week. For Ben McKee, Wes Rucker, Ryan Callahan, and Patrick Brown, this has been another edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. There's that button, and now I can say, 
Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+.